You know, I firmly believe, I think it was the first time I heard a teaching about the word Father in relationship to our Heavenly Father. It was by Derek Prince, and he was talking about how that is a proper name, not a common name for God. That he is Father. Cap, you know, well, they're all capital F's, but all capital letters. And that he is in every uh, father, every man, there's a father, a God of, there's a father of God in them waiting to come out. Whether you've had children or not had children, it's like uh, mothers who, like when they're little girls, they want to have, play doll, play with dolls and have babies, you know, and play with their baby. Uh, That's in them. It's a remnant of the creation of God in the beginning. And uh, there's a father in every person. Uh, waiting for God to bring it, bring him out. Now I say that that we should celebrate our fathers, human fathers, and uh, who actually are our fathers, who have children. But I like to recognize the future fathers as well. See, in in boys and in men that haven't had children yet. And uh, we celebrate God as our Father on Father's Day. And that includes uh, us that don't have fathers on earth, uh, maybe that are not alive, or we haven't had them even as we were being brought up. And husbands that are not in the home, or fathers that are not in the home. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, for you gals that may not have a husband or a father in the home for your children. This is pretty cool. In Isaiah 54, it says, thy maker will be your husband. Well, I can, you know, I can live with that. <laughs> And if you have children and they don't have a father's touch, God will bring in men that will be a father to them. But he himself will be their father. As he is our father, but he's going to give you special attention. Believe it. Receive it. We have the... You know, let's sing that song that I want to sing. I want, to, I want us to sing one more song. And, and by the way, Rakesh... When, after we've sung this song, I want you to keep that available for us to look at later, okay? I don't know if you know this or not, but that's a song that was written by uh, Joel Houston, uh, Brian Houston's son from Hillsong. Uh, it's absolutely one of my absolute favorite songs. Amen. Reach out in your love and your, your faith. Heavenly Father.
Oh, kids are great, aren't they? <laughs> oh, we got a beautiful group up here today. Hallelujah. I don't know. You never know what they're going to find down there. <laughs> Lord bless these children. Lord, on this Father's Day, we thank you that you are our Father and that you're a Father to them. And we love them so much. And they're so special to you and they're special to us. And we pray an extra ordinary blessing upon their lives and their minds and their bodies and their spirits which are yours in Jesus mighty name amen Amen. hallelujah thank you Lord okay Rakesh I think we're only going to go to one place in scripture which is in uh, Ephesians the third chapter Starting with the first verse. And I pick this as a special Father's Day message. And you fathers out there, or fathers to be, scripture, the verse of scripture that's in the bulletin was, as I understood what you were saying, Harry, was bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Um, uh, Deborah Benson, who passed away a few months ago, who was uh, a very special person in our church and fellowship, had a couple of daughters and uh, later on in life, and she was bringing up by her, them up by herself. And later on in life, you know, when they reached those teenage years, they became a little rebellious. And uh, a lot rebellious for that matter. And uh, she was, and she had done a beautiful job as a mother, a loving mother. And um, she asked me, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I said, well, I've always stood on the scriptures that says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when they are old, they shall not depart from it. (laughs) And I said, maybe there's a period of time between now and then that they will depart from it. But when they are old, they will not depart from it. In other words, God's going to have it. God's going to do it. God's going to make it happen. It might just take a little while. And I said, well, you've done this. They're, they're, they're grown up now almost, getting ready to, you know, leave home in their late teens. And, and it says, uh, so I said, you just got to stand on that scripture. And, uh, and I said, uh, I'll give it maybe 20, uh, 10 years, you know, um, for God to move in their lives. And I said, 20 if you help. (laughs) Did you catch that? And I forgot that. She was in church with one of her daughters that had come back. (laughs) You know, Stacy. 
And uh, Stacy testified about some of this. And we talked about, we went out to dinner and says, do you remember what you told me? And I said, no, I I really don't. And she said that, she told me, she said, give give them 10 years after they're gone, they'll come back. 20 if you help. (laughs) And she started, and she remembered that because she knew that, you know, you can, you can do what you're supposed to do and believe God for it. Amen. But sometimes there, there comes a time when you're not doing and believing, you're just doing. Do you understand what I'm coming from? It's like you're doing because you don't believe it. You don't, it's subtle, but it's like you're not believing. You're not trusting God. You're just trying to hammer it home and you just become a person that just hammers and hammers and hammers, you know. And uh, like she she laughs at 10 years, 20 if you help. Sometimes you just got to give it to the Lord and release it. Kenneth Copeland said when he was growing up, he was so rebellious. And even after he left home, and his mother would pray and fast and pray and fast and pray and fast. And uh, I'm not, I, I believe that, that prayer and fasting was going to be fruitful. But there came a day when she says, I'm, do- I'm, I'm, I've, I'm done. I'm done with it. Lord, I give it to you. He's all yours and I'm finished with praying and fasting for him i'm just i'm just giving him to you right now and releasing him to you and that's it and Keith copeland says when he was growing up the lord was on his back all the time you know the hound of hell but it was nothing compared to what it was after she gave him after that day he really was on God. God was really was on his back. And sometimes, you know, uh, you may not may be able to receive this, but it's just like I've done everything I can think of and they just won't submit to God. And one time a lady did that and God spoke back and said, I'll tell you who they won't submit to. It's you. <laughs> So, so just receive that if, if you can. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want us to look at these scriptures that we're about to read from a different position, a different perspective. Paul is going to be talking, and he's going to be talking about himself. But I want you to look at it like it's a word for you to be like Paul. For starters. But I also want you to look at it that to be like our Heavenly Father. You see, to look at like your responsibility over your children is like Paul viewed his responsibility over the church. You understand what I'm saying? This is Paul, how he responds or responding to God over the churches which with, with which he had responsibility, like, say, church at Ephesus. 
And you mothers, you can, you can use this too. And you men that don't have children, hopefully God has brought you some children that you can love and father. You fathers whose children are gone, hopefully you've got some grandchildren around or somebody else's grandchildren around that you can take a, a kindness and an oversight of. Like a while ago, didn't we say, what's the churches or the church? Do you say yes to this, the, the, to the oversight of this child? And you said, amen. So I want you to look at this uh, from the perspective of how Paul is caring for the church at Ephesus as a father or as an overseer, as a mother. Some of you mothers can take the same thing and see also the love of God in it because we're going to find out something about this, these scriptures. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love your word. Father, I pray that I may say and that you will impart into me and everyone else that can say amen, that we can say the same words that Job said, that I esteem the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. May I esteem and value the words of your mouth, Father, more than my necessary food. Hallelujah. May we esteem these words today greater and more than our necessary food. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice it didn't just say food. It said necessary food. Necessary food is, you know, when Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. That word hunger meant just not, wasn't just talking about appetite. You know, because when we say, after we've, it's around meal time, and hey, we're going a little past meal time here, my, my body's saying I need some nourishment. You know, that's appetite. Necessary food, which means if you don't get some food in your system very quickly, you're going to die. And so, when he said, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, it meant true hunger and true thirst, which means I've got to have it. And that's what he says, blessed are they. So when Paul says, I mean, Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than I, my necessary food. He's talking about food that you've got to have and you've got to have it fast. Boy, I want that. I want to have that for God. I want to have it for God. I want to have it for his word. I want to have it for his service. I want to have it for my worship of him. Hallelujah. I was uh, praying the other day. It was Tuesday. And I was praying. And I've had times where I've. The Bible says, I just want to share this with you. I don't know how many of you saw that movie, I Can Only Imagine. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to, but I haven't seen it yet. And that was a song by Mercy Me, I Can Only Imagine. 
And I've shared this before. One of the definitions of the Greek word maliteo, which is Greek for meditation, which says meditate on these things means to imagine. There's a line in this song that I want to go back to in a little bit. The song we just said. The art of losing myself. May, may my purpose remain. My purpose remain. The art of losing myself. The art of losing myself. In bringing you praise. The art of losing yourself. What is what is talking about? He must increase while I must decrease. He that will lose his life for my sake shall find it. He that would save his life shall lose it. That's what Jesus said. The art of losing myself in bringing you praise. You know what the word art means? It means to use the imagination to create something beautiful of the aesthetic. The word aesthetic means that which is significant. So art, God, takes you and gives you beauty for ashes. It says we are his, in in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Poimeno. Poimeno. The word poem comes from the Greek word poimeno. We are God's poems. He has taken you and created from his imagination something beautiful. When we worship God, we take our imagination and make something beautiful out of him. You see, we're creating, we're using the creative spirit that God has given us, the creativity to create in our imaginations. Now, vain imaginations, that's another story. But to, to meditate on God is to take, and so to take your imagination. And this is how the psalmist wrote the Psalms. The art of losing myself. The art of taking your imagination of God from his word and seeing how beautiful he is and creating something beautiful as you paint him in your heart, in your mind. The art of losing myself, you see. And it's taking, so I, I, I go out in the spirit and I was, uh, I had just heard a quote from um, from Dante's Inferno, and it's, it goes like this. And it, it drew me, by the way, today to Psalm one thirty nine for for the baby, for Star. And it goes like this: In the middle of the journey of my life, I find myself. Stranded in a dark wood with no clear vision to a straight path or, or a straight vision to a straight path 
where a straight vision of a, of a path, straight path, was lost. Did you hear that, what I said? I find myself in a dark wood where a straight vision to a straight path was lost. And I thought, I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't even having a dark spell in my life, but it just, I just realized that, you know, God is with us. In, if we make our bed in hell, he is with us. In the darkness, he is with us. So I was praying and it just, I didn't mean to connect the dots, but let's say, let's say I did. In my imagination, I am making something beautiful out of God. We sing that to God. You are so beautiful. And so I get taken in my spirit into heaven and I'm like, it's dark as can be. And I can only just slightly see the outline of a throne of God. And I'm like, God, it's so dark. You're supposed to be the light. Remember in Psalm 139, it says, when thy darkness is light, when that light is darkness. I said, I cannot, I cannot see you. I said, why? And he says, I want to show you that in a very dark place, I am still with you. <laughs> see? I am with you. And as I, I was praying to God, I said, God, I'd rather be in a dark place with you with me than a very light place without you. <laughs> Hello? I'd rather be in hell with God than in heaven without him. Of course, you know what hell with God there is? That's heaven. And you know what heaven without God there is? That's hell. One of the things that I want you to take in consideration here very strongly, you fathers, ladies. Oh, that's so sweet. It's a sweet sound. Oh, precious. One of the things I want you to take with you is a different definition than the biblical one of sin. Because I looked that up. It's the word for sin in the Greek is haramatia. Haramatia. I would have said haramartia, but it's haramatia. I got to be careful about my pronunciation of words. Joe Anderson says, I'm not pronouncing the king of of uh, Persia's name right. Um, I still can't pronounce it right, so I'm not going to tell you what I think it is. But I, I, got, I got a little thing in my app and that, that's, that has a little thing. And anytime I'm studying the word, I just push a button and it tells you how to pronounce it. And it's Haramatia. And the, the most common name for sin is to miss the mark. I'm going to give you a different definition. It's not going to be different than that. It's going to be maybe greater than that, more than that. I'm not setting myself up. I believe this is a biblical explanation. The definition, the definition of sin is that which hinders you from fellowshipping and communion with God. Hello? That which hinders you blocks you in any way to fellowship with God. And that sin, missing the mark, will do that. Because that's what Jesus died, is to bridge you, is to 
for you to have a bridge to God. Because he was made sin with our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So sin is anything, anything. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Sin is anything that prevents you from having fellowship with God. You know, when we come up for communion, we're coming up to remind us of how Jesus gave his body and blood for us. And when we break bread, we're breaking bread at the communion table. And we should, each person, have the mentality that I'm going to commune with God in this. You understand what I'm saying there? Now, one of the words, well, I go, may my, in this song, may my purpose remain, may my purpose remain to be lost, have a, uh, may my purpose remain and the art of losing myself that I may find you in praise and worship. May my purpose remain. You know what purpose, the word purpose is? It's the Greek word prothesis. God, God, I'm going to give you a word here. And we're going to get in Ephesians 3 here real quick. But this is going to be, if you, if you get it, if you get this meaning, it's going to be awesome. In the uh, early... Uh, Orthodox Church. They had a room that was over to the side. That in that room was the the furniture that was used exclusively in communion. So they had a table, and of course they had the cup and the and a plate for the for the bread. And what. That the, the name of that room, which also was the name of the table and the name of the furniture that was in the room and the bread and the wine, it all had one name. And that was prothesis. You look it up in the Webster Dictionary, prothesis, it'll say a room in the Orthodox Church that where the communion, all the elements were kept, all the communion stuff was kept, all the communion things were kept. And it was like, why was that? Because the word prothesis is translated in the New Testament purpose. The purpose that you and I were created for to, was to commune and fellowship in an intimate way with God Almighty. He created Adam to him and he would come in the cool of the day, which was a, 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 a percentage of the day, which amounted to the word uh, 10% of the day. It was like a tithe offering where Adam would fellowship and commune with God in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, which was the equivalent of 10% of the day. It was, an, it was like a tithe offering where he was presented, presented to God to fellowship with him. When God came looking for him in the cool of the day and couldn't find him, where are you, Adam? 
They were hiding. We were hiding because we knew we were naked. Who told you you were naked? You know the story. God made us to fellowship with him to our, the purpose. Anybody ever ask you, what's the purpose of life? It's to say, to fellowship and commune with the living God. And the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. All right. Everybody follow that so far? The art of losing myself. My purpose remains. My fellowship with God remains. And in order to fellowship with God, you have to lose yourself. I was, when I went into the presence of God, I was like, I, I asked myself, am I losing my mind here? And myself said, amen. About time. Hallelujah. All right, now how are we going to look at these scriptures? We're going to look at these scriptures from the perspective that we as a father, I'm talking mainly to fathers, mothers, you can receive it too, but mainly you fathers out there, whether you're fathers now or fathers to be or fathers over others. You know, uh, uh, my favorite Catholic priest teacher is his name was father Corapi Corapi John Corapi and I I just loved his preaching and teaching well that's sweet and so except for the phone that is <laughs> maybe that's what the phone was Father Corapi met Mother Teresa, and uh, she says to him, you know, I don't have any children, and he's just listening. She says, I don't have a home to live in. Reminds me of Jesus, says the father, the birds have nest, but I don't have a place to live. You know, I don't have, and she starts naming off all the things he doesn't have. And he's thinking, whoa, where is she going with this? Sounds like she's down. She says, no, I don't have any children. I have thousands of children. <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of children. Because she built orphanages that just housed thousands and thousands of children. You don't have to have given birth to a child to have children. There are a lot of children out there. The, the home that we prayed for today, the little, little star, they already have three children. Like Fran said, some of the most dynamic uh, women and men in the Bible were adopted. <laughs> So, amen. So this is for everybody. Verse one, for this cause. Do you have a cause? For this cause, remember that, we're going to use that word later. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Nearly every commentary I've ever read is because he said that because he was in prison. When he wrote the letter, from prison, literally. 
And I, I don't doubt that that's true, but I also believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was saying that because of an attitude that he had, that he was a prisoner of the Lord. And it wouldn't matter whether he was in prison or not, he could say, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He even intimates that in chapter 4 where he says how God, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he led captivity captive. You know what captivity captive means? He led him out of one prison and into another. He led him out of the prison of the devil and into his own prison in, in, in captivity. So I am... You need to regard yourself as a prisoner of the Lord in order to be able to do the things that Paul does. The prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. In other words, God has given him a responsibility and a dispensation over the Gentiles. You fathers out there have a responsibility that is a gift from God towards your families. Hello? How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. God wants you to learn mysteries to bring up your children under. As I wrote a four and few words, I've also heard that this was talking, oh, this makes reference to a letter he wrote, wrote previously. Maybe I don't believe that. I believe what he was talking about is in chapter one and chapter two was the ones he wrote, wrote, wrote about in a few words. And there's so many great mysteries in there. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed to the apostles and prophets by the spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister, it means servant, according to the gift of the grace of God, which is given to me by the effectual working of his power. You have been given a measure of the gift of the grace of God by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, and this is something he said, but I think Paul in his heart would hope and believe that every believer could see that about themselves. That they are the less than the least of all saints. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles? You have been given a grace from God to teach your children, to teach your grandchildren. If you don't believe me, then you need to, well, maybe I shouldn't say it. I was going to say you can believe Neil Young, but <laughs> teach your children well. Was that Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, wasn't it? Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable? There's no end. It's not that you can't search it out. It's just that you start searching, you can't find an end to it. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see, to make all men see, what is the fellowship of the mystery, koinonia of the mystery. 
God wants to, you to fellowship with him. And it's a mystery. It's a fellowship of, of the mystery of Christ. Why is that so important? Well, it's not because, you know, we all like, uh, you know, Agatha Christie's mysteries. No, it's because God is revealing something extraordinarily special to his church and to his believers, to his children. Which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. And one of my favorite verses, it simply means that God has chosen you to reveal himself. That is going to be a demonstration before the entire universe. His manifold wisdom. That's what he wants to do in your life. According to the, uh, go back to the verse, I didn't finish that one. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly churches, heavenly places, might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Next verse. According to the eternal purpose. Whoa, whoa. The eternal prothesis. The purpose of fellowship. God wanting to fellowship with you. To commune with you. For you to have intimate, intimate relationship with him. Which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you. When he says don't be discouraged. At what I'm suffering for your sake. Because this is very special. It says, don't faint at my tribulations for you. Which is your glory. Which is for, your, for God to bring glory into your life. Wherefore, for this, or for this cause. Remember how it says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Now it says, for this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father. You know, bow, you know what that means when you bow your knees to the Father? It means you're, he's what, what's he doing? Huh? What's he doing? He's praying. He's praying. For this cause, I have a cause to bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father, Pater. Right? Of whom the whole family, that word family is the Patria. It actually means of all fatherhood in heaven and earth is named. You know what that means? If you were a father or father to be or just a man that has a father's heart towards hurting and lost children. You have a name that was named. Your name as father is a father that got to your name after the father. God the father. That's when it says the fatherhood of all heaven and earth is named after the father, which is our heavenly father. That he would grant you. And here goes the prayer. He bows his knees to the Lord Jesus Christ and he's praying for them. You need to pray this for your children all the time. You need to receive this prayer for you. Because remember the Ephesians wasn't just written to the church at Ephesus. It was also written to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's us. Hopefully it's us. 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Notice this is a prayer to the father, for the fathers, for the families of God. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. You see, this is what a father's heart. If you have a father's heart, if you're a father, this is what you want to, you want to be an instrument of God to have your children be strengthened in their inner man by Christ. And you will have a desire to impart to your children so that you can teach them that they may dwell, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith and that they may be rooted and grounded in love. That's your job. It's the most important job you have on the earth. Is to see that people are rooted and grounded in love. Next verse. May be able to comprehend. It's your job to impart to your children an understanding with all the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. That's the, you know how big that is? The, it's talking about the love of God. That you're, they're rooted and grounded in the love of God. You know, how I, I don't know that I ever saw how big that was until one day, uh, you know, Chris Cleveland was talking about it. And all of a sudden, I, I mean, I've had this verse, I've gone over it probably thousands of times. And it just didn't, I don't know why it never occurred to me. The breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Is like big as the universe. Whoa! Wow. That you may be, that they may be able to understand how much God loves them. It is your job to convey through your own actions, through your own words, through the way you treat them, that you are a revelation, that you are an ambassador, that you are a reflection of God the Father. And that by you loving them with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, the way God loves us, the breadth, the length, the depth, and height. Hello? Okay, next verse. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The love of Christ. Anytime knowledge gets in your way, you need to back up to the scripture. God's love surpasses knowledge it's not that we don't need knowledge it's just that we got to understand the whole purpose of knowledge is to reveal the love of God (laughs) which passes knowledge and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God does God want to fill you with all his fullness he wouldn't have Paul praying for it if he didn't want to and he doesn't just do it through him he does it through people That we are to love one another with all the fullness of God. They might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, next verse please. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think. That's the kind of fathers we're supposed to be. Hello? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just go over the song one more time. Put the song up. One more time. We'll end with this. Now we're going to look at this song the same way I've been talking about 
the chapter. A thousand times I've failed, still your mercy remains. You fathers out there, a thousand times your children may fail, but your mercy must remain. You must always forgive them. Hello? A thousand times they can fail, but your mercy remains. Now he's talking about God, but we are named after fatherhood, or we're named after him. Should, you, should I stumble again after a thousand times, I'm calling your, catch your children in your grace, in God's grace. Do you see that? Still, I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting. How long is this going to be? It's eternal. It's an eternal purpose which you purpose in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's to the intent that now and to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, the manifold wisdom of God, the manifold love of God. Your light will shine when all else fades. No matter how darkness gets, gets dark in your family or with your children, have your light shine when all else fades. Let the light of God. Your glory goes beyond all fame. Next set. Your will above all else, my purpose remains. The art of losing myself. You have to lose yourself in God to be this kind of a father. In bringing you praise everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And Lord, on this Father's Day, we come into your holy presence by the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come into your presence with holy garments on because our garments have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We come into your presence desiring to lose ourselves in purpose. That we come into your presence to worship you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. You're worthy of praise and worship. As we lie before you with our heads down, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. But as Jesus lifts our heads, raises us up to be seated in him next to you, our Heavenly Father. We tell you, Heavenly Father, what a wonderful Father you are. What a magnificent God you are. You are our King. You are our Lord. You are my Father. And I worship you. I honor you. May anything that is hindering me from you, I repent. I walk away from that. But I reach out to you. Draw nigh to you, Heavenly Father. I draw nigh to you. I resist the devil.
in your name. I thank you for loving me. And Father, right now I pray in accordance with the Apostle Paul that you would strengthen us with might according to your glorious power. Hallelujah. Inside, inward, our inner man, our inner person. And that we may be rooted and grounded in your love, Heavenly Father. And that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And that we may know the love of God, your love, Heavenly Father, that surpasses everything. That surpasses all knowledge. And that we might be filled with your fullness even now, Father. Filled with your holy fullness that we may worship you and that we may now know now unto you that it is higher and greater and richer now unto you that is able to do according that we have prayed and Lord may we realize that everything we might have that everything we have asked of thought of or believed in or uh, that you are exceeding abundantly above all of those things and may you be glorified in the church world without end amen hallelujah